Worship team, thank you. Did you guys catch what we did this morning in song? First four songs or so were about God, his love, his love for us, his power, you know, him never letting go, how great he is. And then the last two songs we sang were kind of our response to that. So I'll stand with arms high, heart abandoned. I'm going to sing hallelujah to the Lord. What a great, great way to begin this morning. Tim, thank you. And team, thank you for doing that. Kids, if you're filling out a uh, kid bulletin, your first answer is going to come really, really quickly. I want you guys to listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus regarding the job description of leaders in the church. He writes this, Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So what's the job of those who lead? It's to equip God's people. Equip God's people for what? Well, to do His work and to build up the church. Now I believe one of the most fundamental ways we do this, one of the most key ways that we do this, is by following Christ's final words to to those who were around Him as He ascended back into heaven to be with His Father. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, I think most of you would know this, where Jesus said, All authority has been given unto me on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commandments that I have given you. And remember, he says, I am with you always. So he says, go and make disciples. Now, in an effort to go and make disciples, would it it not be a logical conclusion that to make disciples, we have to tell them first about the good news of Christ? Does that make sense? I mean, to be a disciple of Christ, somebody needs to hear the gospel. They need to understand this story of Jesus. We're going to take a, a four-week break from our, mess, from our series in Hebrews, and we're going to do a series called Sharing Jesus Without Fear. Uh, this comes from a book right here by William Fay, titled Sharing Jesus Without Fear. This was a book that Doug Blackburn read quite a while ago and was deeply convicted to it uh, by it. So he said, James, you've got to read it. And, and, and I read it, and he said, Nathan, you've got to read it. And he read it, and we realized... And realize still that sharing our faith is something that is a challenge for us. And we realize that there are different methods, there's different forms, there are different ways that we can share our faith. And we know that we can live out our faith without ever saying a word. But because of this book, we were also reminded that that we need to be ready to share. We need to be willing to actually verbalize what we believe. I mean, it helps to be able to know Scripture and the core stories of Scripture that shape our belief. We believe that doing that 
Being willing to share is part of the going and making disciples that Jesus commanded. I want you guys to know that sharing your faith is something that we are called to do. It's part of what God says as a follower of Jesus. You need to be willing to do this. But I will be the first to admit that it is hard. Okay? And I want to show you how difficult, just by a, uh, grabbing uh, three people, myself being one of them, to come and, and interview again. A couple of quick questions. So I want to invite Nathan Zemke, who's in the back, come on up. And I want to invite Ron Curry to come on up. Now, as they are coming, most of you know, but if you don't, Ron has been doing jail ministry now for a long time. Uh, I think it was somewhere between when Elijah turned his reign over to Elisha, right? Okay, and that's when the jail ministry started. And, and we know that Ron has a passion for sharing his faith. Okay, Ron's good at it. Um, I would bet good money that uh, he has been with people who have uh, repented of their sins, who have realized they're, they're apart from Christ and, and, and prayed to receive Christ. I would bet good money that he's done that with more people than anybody in here individually. Right? And I would bet even bigger money that he's done that probably more than all of us combined. Now, Ron will be the first to tell you that that's God's doing. And to that, we would all say, amen. We agree completely. But Ron is willing, and he's ready to share. That's why we invited him up. He's going to have a couple of good answers to these questions. I invited Nathan up because a few years back, not too long ago, Nathan was on our board of directors as the pillar of missions and outreach. Right? Yay. Yeah, he loved that time. Now, uh, missions and outreach, that kind of has a connotation of, of reaching people who are outside our walls who don't know Christ. That's what he oversaw. He was in charge of that. And we're going to hear how good Nathan was or how passionate he was or, uh, or not. I mean, and then I invited myself into this because... Um, I'm called to lead this body. I believe by God, and the, the leaders of the denomination believe so too. And I wanted to share my input as to how good or bad I am at this also. So two simple questions, maybe a minute or so for each answer, a minute, minute and a half. Uh, first question is this. Uh, tell me about the last time you shared your faith, uh, the gospel, in a way that was understandable. You know, we could call it systematic. We could call it just... Uh, a process of sharing your faith. Ron, I want to start with you. Uh, when was the last time you did that? It was, uh, it was going to, it'll be two weeks tomorrow. And uh, one of the men I was working with in jail helped him to find Christ. He has a fiance and, and he's been saying, would you call her and talk to her and help her to know that I'm not a fanatic? That was his expression. And I says, well, I says, what we got to do is start praying for her and that the Holy Spirit will touch her. And uh, two, two weeks ago on Monday, I was trying to prepare to go into jail, and I just called her. And first off, I wanted to find out what was going on with him anyway because I hadn't been there for almost three weeks. And uh, as we talked, I just kind of started sharing with her. And, and I shared... Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, where where we are weak and heavily burdened, uh, where Christ call, uh, bids us to come unto Him, and so I just opened that door and shared with her some, and uh, 
it was it was very awkward to me for some reason. I don't know just exactly. I think it was probably because I couldn't see her face, uh, and I've never met her. And uh, I uh, I just asked her if she would like to pray with me and receive Christ. And she says, "Yeah, I'd like that." And so we prayed right there on the phone. And uh, so uh, she's. In the process now, Charlotte and I are going to go see her and try to help help her along her Christian faith. So, so two weeks ago Monday, and for those that know Ron or who talk to Ron regularly, you you know it's not an uncommon uh, thing to hear. Well, I was in jail this last week and uh, talking to somebody, and I led them to the Lord, and we're starting this process. So, two weeks ago Monday, high five to that, <laughs> Nathan. Uh, tell us the last time you were able to share in an understandable way to a non-believer. Well, I really had to think long and hard about that, which is probably not a good sign. Um, well, really not a good sign. Um, the last time that I shared any decent amount of the, my faith journey and what it takes to follow Christ was probably about seven years ago. Uh, we had a neighbor who lived next to us who we did life with. We ate together. We drank together. We played games together. We just saw each other every day and had a good time. And that was probably the last time that I have shared any large portion of what it means to follow Christ. Okay, good. Good answer. I've known this question was going to be asked for about two and a half weeks. And I, too, have racked my brain as to the last time I, in a, in a systematic type way, or in an understandable, here's some key verses type way, the last time I shared the gospel. Uh, about a month ago, I had a great spiritual conversation with somebody on a dock at Liberty Lake. It was, it was very good, but it wasn't, you know, this is, this is Jesus. This is what it takes to follow Jesus. Uh, sometime within the last month, I've, I've, I've shared systematically with two people, but they were already Christians. Um, they, they knew, uh, Jesus and, and they were just kind of, it was, it was helpful to see the process. Um, I was ready within about the last year to share with a friend and, uh, you know, kind of gearing up for it. It's like, oh, oh, can you get excited? And I was talking to him on the phone and I thought that moment was there. So I started sharing and he cut me off. He says, James, I, I accepted Christ earlier this week. Okay. So uh, seriously, I, I, I had to rack my brain and I don't know if it was six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's difficult for me to admit this in front of the church that I'm supposed to be leading. So um, that's me. Next question. Tell us about the, a time within the last year, if you can think of that, when you missed an opportunity to share Christ. You want to start, Nathan? Sure. I have the mic, so that makes sense. Um, a lot of you know that I work from home and that I do telecommuting for my job. And so a lot of my day is spent on the phone. Um, or through an instant messenger sort of window where we chat back and forth with our coworkers and uh, the people who work for us. Um, and through that, I have developed a lot of really close relationships. Um, some people might doubt whether you can build a close relationship with somebody through an instant message window, but you can. Um, and so we've shared life together. We've shared uh, the hurts of life, of children doing what they shouldn't do, of uh, broken marriages, you know, everything that goes along with that. And a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, the subject came up where it would have been a really good opportunity to say, you know, life sucks, um, but there's Christ. And that's why, you know, I have hope in all of this is because Christ saved me and he can save you. 
did I take that opportunity? No. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I live out of fear. Let's just be honest, I live out of fear. And I just kind of ignored that opportunity. Um, you know, even after reading this book that Doug gave me and, you know, going through this, and yes, I realized that sharing Christ is important. I realized that people knowing Christ is incredibly important for their souls. Um, but I still passed on it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Ron, within the last year, a time that you missed an opportunity? How about last Wednesday? Uh, I, was, I was in jail uh, doing some study with his, it was with the guy that had me call his fiance. And he was just all over the place. And, and I showed him some scripture and brought him back down. And, and he, says, he says, I want you to pray for two of my friends here. And so he went over, we went, got up, everybody's pretty much all locked down, and we went over, and he says, he hollered at this guy's name, Sean. Sean came over to the um, window there, and uh, he says, my friend Sean here was just sentenced to 40 years in prison. Well, it's most likely a death sentence for this man, but anyhow, he says, I want you to pray for him. And, and I felt all the weeks I'd been going in there, I, I hadn't been able to catch a hold of Sean before this. This was just, uh, I, I didn't even know he existed. So I prayed with Sean, and he says, now I want you to come over and pray with my cellmate. And so we went over there, and he says, he said, uh, this was Wednesday. He says, Thursday they're taking him to Shelton to serve 21 years. Well, that's not very good either. But uh, anyhow, uh, I prayed for Sean. And this, this week I just kind of regretted not being able to have some one-on-one -on -one time and to be able to talk to both of, both of those men. But they're, they're uh, off in another prison system. But I encouraged them to, to seek after the Lord in their life where they're going. Uh, it may be really, really bad form of me, but thank you for both of you missing an opportunity within the last couple of weeks. It doesn't make me, it makes me feel a little bit better, okay? Because uh, I missed an opportunity on July 3rd, uh, 17 days ago, something like that. I had knocked uh, on the door across the street just to see if, if the guy knew whose car had been parked out in our, our driveway for the last few weeks, and he was kind of gruff when he answered the door. Um, he actually knows David Urice. Uh We ended up talking. Uh, he apologized for being gruff. Um, and it was good conversation. We were talking about all sorts of different things from his lawn being mowed to the traffic coming down Ash Street. And, and he just out of the blue says, you know, with everything in life, there's like these definitive final truths. He says, but then there's religion and it's so confusing and there's so many different opinions. And there was pastor's opportunity. Oh, did I take it? You know, I was stunned to silence. I, uh, Alex, I, I like to talk religion. I kid you not, that's what I said. I said, um, maybe, I tell you what, sometime in the future, let's grab some sodas, let's sit underneath the tree, and, and we'll talk about religion. I mean, epic fail on my part. 
Now, I know that, I know that some of you will, will disagree. Uh, you'll say, maybe that's not a big fail. And same with, with the other stories that you hear. Maybe, maybe you'll say that's just opening a door for a future conversation, and, and, it's, and it's not offending people. And, and, and I tell you what, though, 17 days ago, we had started to plan this series, and I kept thinking to myself, God just dropped this opportunity in my lap, and I missed it. So it's hard to share our faith. And if we're not trained, if we're not equipped, as I talked about the, the, the leaders of the church and everybody here, if we're not equipped to share, then we're going to miss opportunities. Gentlemen, uh, thank you for sharing. I'll have you sit. I'm sure that we'll hear more from you in the next couple of weeks. Um, one of the core beliefs, one of the fundamental beliefs of Christianity is that if you do not have a relationship with Christ, when you, uh, when you die... You spend forever separated from God. Agree? That's one of the fundamental beliefs, one of the core beliefs of, of uh, churches that claim to follow Christ. If, if you are not following Christ, if you haven't accepted Christ as Savior, when you die, you spend forever apart from Him. Now, when it all boils down to it, whether we like somebody or not, whether we know somebody or not, whether we agree with all of their opinions or not, none of us would want to see somebody spend forever separated from God, would we? I mean, none of us would want that. We, we want people to realize, okay, this is what separates us from God, and this is what can bring us back to God. We want everybody to know him. And God wants the same thing too. In Second Peter, when Peter was talking about, with people about why it's taking so long for Jesus to return, he writes this, Second Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. He says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I think that's an answer on one of the kids' bulletin lines. How many people does God want to repent? He wants everyone as part of the, the free Methodist denomination, we believe God's desire is to have all people have a relationship with him. But we also believe he gives us the choice to do so or not. Now, in order to have that choice, these people have to hear. And in order for them to hear the good news, they have to have people who are ready to tell them. In order for people to tell them, they have to be ready to go. Kind of like what Jesus said in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. Go where, we may wonder. Well, for most of us, it's not going to be going overseas. For the Midkiffs, it was, right? But for most of us, it means going across the street. It means going across the cubicle in our office. It means, it means going across the table in the home that we live in or, or going across the bleachers in the sporting events that our kids are at. That's where God will tell us to go. Now, not only do we have to go, we have to be willing to share. The sixth, book, the sixth verse in Philemon in one translation reads like this. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. Let me read that again. 
says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. That was the Apostle Paul talking to Philemon. Now with this translation, there really does seem to be an emphasis on the verbal sharing of our faith. Now with some other translations, uh, some other ones which may stick a little closer to the original Greek, translators point more to the picture of Paul talking about a shared faith with Philemon. You know, a fellowship of faith, a communion of faith, or, or a participation in the same faith together. I mean, either way, it's a, it's a shared faith. And I guess either way you translate it, somebody's got to share with someone first before they can have a shared faith. One study that the author of the book, Sharing Jesus Without Fear, quotes, says that only 5 to 10% of Christians have shared their faith in the last year. That would mean 90 to 95% of followers of Christ have not. It's a staggering statistic, isn't it? Now, I fully believe God gives us opportunities. You got to hear those from, from these three up here. He gives us opportunities in our everyday lives, our ordinary, mundane lives, to share our faith. Now, our challenge is to recognize those opportunities and take them. To seize the opportunities and take them. Peter, in the New Testament, did. Peter, by all accounts of our reading, was this stumbling, bumbling Christ denier, right? But he seized opportunities to share his faith. Acts chapter 2, right after the Pentecost, there's people wondering, what are all these people doing, speaking these crazy languages? And Peter saw an opportunity. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. And then he went on to share, This is what's going on. This is why it's going on. He shared in, in a way that was understandable to his listeners, and he must have shared pretty well. Because verse 37 says this, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And something clicked. Because Scripture tells us that 3,000 people began their journey with Christ that day. Now that wasn't the only time that Peter saw a moment and took it. Next chapter, he had just healed this crippled beggar outside the temple and, and people are amazed. And, and he could have been like, yeah, what's up? I did that. Or he could have said, well, I got to go pray right now because it's time. But instead, chapter 3, verse 12 says, Peter saw his opportunity and he addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what's so surprising about this? And, and why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? And, and then he went on to tell them, here's where Scripture says this and that, and here's why this is taking place. And he says in verse 19, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Now you may be thinking to yourself, Wow, Peter seized his opportunities and took those, and I'm no Peter. And I'll tell you, you're correct. You're not Peter. Okay? You're Justin. You're Bill. You're Miss Marlene. You're Scott. You're Bruce. You're Ryan. You're Cameron. You're Tim. 
And you've got opportunities that Peter didn't have. Peter made his mark on history. And now it's our time to be ready to make our mark. Jesus said, go make disciples. So how does that happen? Well, another survey found in that book from the Institute of American Church Growth showed that 75 to 90 percent of new believers come to Christ because of a friend or an acquaintance sharing the gospel one on one. It says that only 17% of all conversions come through what he calls an event. A pastor giving a message. A Billy Graham crusade. A a friendship Sunday. Only 17%. Granted, people still do come to know the Lord that way, and they grow in faith, and they become active followers of Christ. But what was that? 75 to 90% come to know Christ because somebody shares with them. It's funny because the says most churches devote the majority of their time, their energy, and money to the event. We want to equip. We want to make sure we are ready. Because I don't believe Scripture says, only when a crowd of 3,000 is there do you speak up. I think, as the study shows, that most people will come to know Christ when God has been prompting their heart and then somebody shares with them. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. This ties in really well with what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and following. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him unless they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why Scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And how can they hear unless someone tells them? Does that mean if we don't tell them it's a sin? Could it be called the sin of silence? That's what the author of the book calls it. In fact, on page 7, he didn't even wait around too long. On page 7 of the book, he says, In churches that choose the sin of silence, the people that choose the sin of silence, your church will become keepers of a Christian aquarium instead of fishers of men. In case you missed that, let me read it again. This is his words. If you're choosing the sin of silence, your church will become keepers of a Christian aquarium instead of fishers of men. Jesus Christ shared his entire life with us all the way to the cross. The least we can do is be willing to share what he has done for us and then watch and see what God does. Amen? Over the course of this series, four-week series, we are going to have some active participation on your part. These four weeks won't be four weeks of you just sitting here listening to me talk about how to share your faith. You don't need to hear more words about it. I mean, today I've, I've kind of spelled out the importance of why we need to do it. God's call for us to do it. 
You don't just need to sit and listen to it. You need to be equipped for action. So we're going to do our best to equip you for action. Now, our equipping for action this morning is giving you an opportunity to simply ask God for a name. To pray. To ask God for a name. We want to know who God wants to bring to himself. We want to know who God is preparing to hear his good news. I'm going to ask Tim to come on up. Just strum for a little while. Uh, And as he plays, I want you to pray uh, just something simple like this. God, who is it you want me to be willing to share with? You're not even praying, God, who can I go and share with and when and where and how, but you're praying, who should I be willing to share with? Who is it you want to hear your good news? I want a simple prayer like that, and then I want you just to sit and listen. I want you to wait and see what name God lays on your heart. What face of someone you know he puts in your mind. I'm trusting that he's going to do that. Because I'm trusting there are still a lot of people out there who God wants to hear his message. Now, Tim's going to be playing quietly. There's going to be no rush in this. You pray that simple prayer. You wait. And when you have a name or multiple names, here's the action part. I actually want you to get up. I want you to come over. I want you to write the name of this person on a sticky note, okay? Of the, fir- of the, the person who God wants you just to be willing to share with. And I want you to take that name, just the first name, and I want you to put it on the cross, okay? We got push pins too so that these will stick. Doing this on purpose. Let me tell you why, okay? It is not our job to bring people to Christ. That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Jesus said in John chapter 6 verse 44, he said, no one can come to the Father, or excuse me, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So hear me on this. I'm not saying you have to bring people to Christ. I'm saying you just got to be willing to share. And you got to leave it to Christ. You got to leave it at the cross. You got to be able to say, this is somebody that I'm willing to share with. And then God, you do the rest. So Tim's going to play for a little while. We've got plenty of sticky notes. If God gives you 10 names, don't write them all on one sticky note. Write 10 sticky notes. I'm going to fill this cross. Okay, and we're going to leave it up over this series. And as God brings other people to mind, next Sunday, the Sunday after, come and put more names. And we're going to pray for these people. I'm going to stop talking. I want you guys just to ask God, God, give me a name. And what is that name? And when he does, sticky note, pen, push pen, leave it at the cross. Let's, let's do that.